Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. The stigma associated with addiction impacts every aspect of fighting the opioid epidemic, beginning with determining the scope of the problem. Cities and towns on the front lines of the epidemic have begun using experimental solutions from real-time maps to sewer robots to try and get a handle on the extent of the opioid crisis in their own backyards. Linda Poon, an assistant editor at City Lab, covering science and urban technology, including smart cities and climate change, joins me today to talk about an article she wrote titled, The Race to Learn What's Really Happening in the Opioid Crisis. In the article, Linda profiles experimental programs with promise to help communities accurately assess the scope of the crisis in their area. As we begin our interview, Linda frames the problem she wrote the article about as a data collection problem. Yeah, so it's really a data collection problem. So the most comprehensive data we have right now on the opioid crisis is um, data on overdose-related death. And even that is unreliable um, for several reasons. For one thing, they're undercounted. Um, And I have a study here. I mentioned a study where um, a researcher found that the numbers of deaths in the previous years have been undercounted anywhere between 20 to 35 percent. They they differ from state to state, and um, sometimes they're filled out by medical examiners. Other times they're filled out by coroners. Um, so one has a professional background, others don't. Um, and in terms of what is included in that death certificate varies. So some of them don't even mention what drugs are involved in an overdose case. And in that case, uh, you get this undercount. What we learn from Linda is each state sets its own standards for what kind of deaths require investigation and its own professional and continuing education requirements for individuals carrying out those investigations. According to the CDC, these different standards can have a broad-reaching public health impact, as variations in the collection and reporting of cause-of-death data can hinder public health officials and their ability to conduct accurate mortality surveillance. It should also be noted that coroners can be either elected or appointed, and some are sheriffs or funeral directors, but many of the coroners aren't doctors. And you learned about a town that literally went underground to start a pilot project mining data from their sewage to determine the extent of the problem in their community. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah. So this city is Cary, North Carolina, um, and they just won a $100,000 grant from Bloomberg Philanthropies um, to team up with a MIT-backed company called the BioBot. Um, and what they're doing is they're sending uh, these collect, collect data, uh, 
Samples collection devices. I, I kind of like to call them tiny robots, but they're sending them into manholes, uh, manholes, and and what they're going to do is they're going to collect samples of sewage um, with the intention of analyzing that sewage for the concentration of what's called opioid metabolites. So metabolites are what gets flushed out of the system after a person consumes opioids, um, and that concentration um, will tell them sort of how many doses um, of or how much opioid is being used um, in a certain uh, area that they're tracking. So they're, I think they're trying to put in um, about a, a couple of these different um, areas of the sea and each will measure, each will gather information for roughly 5,000 homes and um, yeah, so that's sort of baseline, getting an understanding of how many people are just not just overdosing from opioids, but also how many people are just using it in, in a certain area. So this technology is about a little over a decade old, and um, it's called sewage-based drug epidemiology. And the idea is, you know, it's just as it sounds, using sort of uh, wastewater and, and, and sort of the um, uh, samples found, found in wastewater to understand a certain uh, how much drug is in it. Um, and so in the 2005 study, that was done in Milan, um, and researchers there were trying to scope of the cocaine epidemic, particularly among um, young adults. And so what they did is they analyzed uh, the Po River for um, cocaine concentrations. And at this point, the official estimate is about 15,000 doses uh per month in that region, but what they found was that according to their uh, sort of the concentration in the river, uh, the actual number may have been as much as equivalent to as much as 40,000 daily doses. So what do the people at Cary hope to get out of their pilot project? So there's a couple things. So one thing is getting a better understanding of, like I said, how many people are actually using um, cocaine within carry, but then they're also they're also trying to overlay that information um, because they're able to get like a finer grain detailed geographic information about uh, who's you uh, about which where where concentrations of opioids are are found. They can overlay that with census information, so that gives them sort of a nuance of who is using it. So the demographics, the sort of um, you know uh, sort economic background of, of certain areas. Um, and what it doesn't do is pinpoint certain houses, which, you know, gets into privacy issues and everything. Um, so they're trying to get, you know, one account. And then using that count, they can kind of find um, how much use, how much the usage of opioids has increased over time. Um, and that will sort of help them direct one direct, um, let them know how much resources needs to be put into prevention programs and then where to target it specifically and who to target it. Joining me now is Mike Bajorek. Mike is the Cary, North Carolina Deputy Town Manager. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about our project. All right, let's dig right in. What made you recognize that your community needed better, more accurate data to fight the opioid epidemic? Well, I think it really goes back to um, 
on Monday, uh, November 28th, uh, 2016. Uh, see, that's a day that I was sitting in my office and our fire chief came in and told me that uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday that they had responded to five opioid-related overdoses, three of which were fatal. And I remember my thinking that opioids, uh, that is heroin. Uh, heroin and carrion, just to give you a little background about carrion, you know, carrion is a, uh, a municipality in North Carolina, about 162,000 people. Uh, we, at the time, we were uh, and still are in the top 10, uh, the, the safest community according to FBI statistics in the country. How could we be having uh, this problem? And uh, that, as you can imagine, led to a series of conversations and less than two months later, our mayor was uh, proclaiming at uh, his state of the town address that Kerry had an opioid problem and he uh, was going to make that uh, top priority for his uh, as mayor to do something about it. Because you see, uh, we had uh, 10 overdoses in 2016, which is terrible. Uh, when you but when you compare that to the country where last year what was it 64,000 Americans died, uh, we are still we have the ability to be proactive with this. And he said, you know, we have the people and the resources to to make an impact. And he wanted he wanted to do that. We found two things. One was that um, that the stigma associated with prescription or the misuse of prescription drugs and over drug overdoses in general was really masking how widespread the problem was uh, in our community and that it was affecting really every segment of our community and um, how so Mike? Uh, people how was that masking people, People weren't talking about it, Greg. Uh, so it was it was affecting individual families, but it, people were not uh, people were not aware of it because people weren't talking about it. Uh, you see, because uh, people weren't overdosing uh, in dilapidated buildings or under bridges somewhere, uh, they were overdosing in bathrooms of our Chick-fil-A or in the bedrooms of our neighbors. And the people just were not aware, like I was, was not aware of the extent. And we needed to have, uh, there needed to be a, a community conversation. And then the second thing that we found out uh, was that the public health officials that were fighting the epidemic had really been dealt a, a crummy hand. You know, the data sets that they were using to develop their programs were reactive. You know, a number of overdose deaths. Uh, they, and they were static because it takes six months to a year to get back the information about what caused a death. And when you did get that, that was over a, a large geographic area, which made it really difficult for them to develop dynamic, effective programs. Uh, so uh, we are working with, uh, in coordination with our public health partners from our county and the state of North Carolina, um, and some nonprofits that will, on a project that we hope uh, that could really transform the way 
uh, public health officials um, develop programs, spend their resources, uh, and really hopefully also start a, a community conversation. Uh, because we, um, we discovered a, 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 a newly formed startup, an MIT Innovations uh, Lab startup uh, that was measuring the concentration of various opioid metabolites in, in wastewater in pretty much near real time. But even more important than that, uh, they were doing this in uh, distinct areas, areas of five to 15,000 people, where now not only would we get a, um, a chemical analysis that would, would lead to the daily co collective consumption of various opioid metabolites, uh, like in milligrams per day per thousand people. Uh, but now all of a sudden, because we knew the area that it came from, we could put on other data sets like demographics and social and economic parameters and land use uh, to really bring to life what was going on uh, in that area. And so, then when you multiply that by 10 or 20 or 200, we hope that there'll be correlations come into play that can really make a difference. Let me jump in. Let's unpack that if mm -hmm. we could, Mike. So sure. the metabolites, uh, what we're talking about here is we're talking about the telltale signs of opioids when they leave the system that right, well, robots so this are, is, are binding in your sewage, basically. Right. This is actually uh, a metabolite is actually a substance that has been processed through the liver. So this is not something that's been dumped down a, 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 a toilet or something. This has actually been ingested in the body in some way and um, uh, went down into the sewer system. And that's like the fingerprint of the opioid. So by examining those, they can determine what opioids are being taken, right? Cor correct. So like we'll, we'll be uh, uh, identifying... Um, 16 specific um, metabolites uh, from both illicit drugs like heroin uh, to many of them were prescription drugs, oxycodone and, and those sorts of things that are prescription drugs. We're also doing... Um, we're also doing a medicine and uh, caffeine just to kind of give us a benchmark of of you know what some of these everyday over-the-counter drugs are so people so we can see um, our public health officials can see but also our citizens can see kind of a comparison of these prescription drugs versus some of these regularly taking drugs next I asked Mike about how they funded this project well we are we're, I guess first off we're blessed that uh, this idea um, was we submitted that to uh, the Bloomberg uh, Foundation's Mayor's Challenge uh, program, and uh, the Bloomberg Philanthropy Foundation awarded us a hundred thousand dollar grant to uh, implement the pilot. And uh, so, over the last several months, that is just what we were doing. There's really a, the two-phase approach. One is our, our community outreach, talking to citizens about not only what we're, uh, why we're doing this, what we want to do, and what we hope to find out by doing it. 
Um, but then also the technical phase of working with our public health officials and then some data, uh, data analytic companies and predictive modeling um, companies that would be taking the data and actually looking at correlations. So we just finished um, a couple weeks ago kind of a proof of, uh, proof of concept testing where you put uh, uh, the sampling device uh, into into our um, into our sewers and collected the sample over a 24-hour period. Actually, three samplers in in three uh, specific manholes. And why we were doing that is we wanted to prove number one that the, the samplers, or as some people call them, the robots, uh, actually can collect the the wastewater on a on, through a 24-hour period, uh, and then secondly, that uh, the membrane that captures the ions from the wastewater uh, would actually be reading the same results. And uh, we've been successful with that. Actually, um, they had to change some of their collection techniques the first time, to uh, so we did this a second time, uh, and now uh, just this past. Last week, we collected our first real sample in um, in ten locations uh, throughout the city, and it takes about two weeks to get the results. So we'll be looking forward to um, really seeing our first results, which would be the first of about a set of twelve uh, samples that we'll be getting. And what do you hope to get as the results out of that pilot? Well, I, you know, I think. Uh, we're looking at uh, creating um, a repeatable process uh, that can be taken, kind of a game book that we're developing uh, that we can hand off uh, to other cities to implement. Uh, by doing this in 10 locations, uh, just right here in Cary, um, yeah, we believe that while there may be some interesting information, I think pretty much ac- um, uh, information that we'll be able to actually take action on uh, probably will be limited because we're, our community is 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 pretty similar in terms of where we're at. We have a good uh, distribution of of our city and a good picture of it, but you really need many more sample locations to really be able to look at correlations. You know, we're looking at, you know, what is the, we're looking at pulling together some data sets uh, that talk about, you know, what are the income level, the the in, the, the people, the, the percentage of insurance, the, the distance of between parks and greenways, and um, those all those sorts of of characteristics, comparing it to other samples, and seeing okay, what is different, what is the same, and see if uh, through uh, data analytics and predictive modeling, something jumps out in terms of correlations that can help public health officials better direct programs that would be uh, more effective. And, and I really think this this uh, practice is much more focused on people that uh, have yet to you know are walking down that path of 
of uh, dependency but not have not crossed over so that we can identify those uh, beforehand and provide help. And you know, a lot of uh, the a lot of the research that are currently going on, a lot of the programs that are being developed are based on surveys. Uh, you know, uh, surveys of, of high school students and the use. And you know, there's uh, in North Carolina, there's uh, our, the state of North Carolina put out that 20% of our high school students have used opioids recreationally. Uh, you know, two-thirds of uh, uh, people that misuse prescription drugs get them from their family or friends. And what, I, what we hope to identify is are some, of these, are some of these surveys accurate? And where are they accurate? Where are they inaccurate? By taking, by taking waste runner and getting, uh, getting documentable data data and repeatable data, then all of a sudden they can start refining the existing models that are currently being used uh, to, so that it's more effective in terms of uh, more accurate so that we can develop, so they can develop programs uh, that will be more effective. And as you mentioned at the outset, you know, stigma has so much to do with it, which was masking the, how widespread the problem is. So, you know, if the study comes back just as it has in Milan, um, you may find that there's a wide difference between what these surveys have produced and what the reality is. Great. I think you're right. But, you know, even we have not received uh, test number one, official test results number one. But this has been, um, but the co community conversation that we have had with our citizens uh, by talking about what we're doing and the implementation of it has led uh, to such a, a, a really an awakening in terms of, of people having conversations uh, with their kids by providing uh, we're, by looking at where they store their medicines, how they store their medicines, uh, we had a we had a prescription drop off um, about I guess it was two months ago, and we doubled in in this just one drop off. We doubled the amount of prescription drugs that were turned in all of last year, and this was just through our conversation about this project. What advice would you care to give other communities that may be contemplating implementing a pilot sewage-based drug epidemiology project as you did in Cary? Mm. <laughs> well, you know, when, when we got started with this, um, you know, I was looking at this solely as a, a technical project and a technical solution, and, you know, uh, the 30-year the bureaucrat uh, in me was saying, you know, let's just kind of do this as kind of a contracted services with this um, chemical analysis company and give it to uh, public health officials and let them go. Uh, but I've, I've learned and I've grown over the past several months to say that is not what this project is about. Uh, if people think that it's just about uh, measuring of um, various uh, opioid metabolites in wastewater, then we fail miserably. This project is about protecting families uh, and making our community strong 
and healthy through conversations. And so my advice is to get out there, start attacking the stigma associated with the misuse of prescription drugs, of overdoses. Get people, there are people like yourself, Greg, that are willing to talk about their experiences and willing to, to do whatever so that others don't have to go through this and utilize that to get people's attention because that is how we're going to make difference, more so than, than testing for opioids in wastewater. Before concluding our interview, I asked Linda what the future holds for Cary and their project with sewage-based drug epidemiology. So it's important to note that this is just a pilot program right now um, with Cary, and they're actually hoping the results will help them when eventually win a uh, a grant that's up to $5 million to really get this project rolling and share the data with uh, other cities and share their technique and methodology. Um, so they're, they're really looking for funding. As for BioBots, which is the company that's partnering with um, Cary, this is the first time they themselves are using such a technology on a real-world problem because that's what people wanted when they went around asking cities, you know, how they can use their technology. Um, in the future, well, and right now, they're actually looking for five more cities to partner with, um, specifically on the opioids crisis. But this is more than just opioids, right? It's a whole drug ep- epidemic where there's missing information um, and, and more to be done. So at least with BioBots, they're trying to expand their technology and eventually um, use it for all, all sorts of drugs that, that, needs to, that needs attention, basically. The opioid crisis is, you know, very much a mystery right now, um, and new technologies are coming out. Um, and I think right now the, the most sort of innovative thing with, within these experiments is being proactive. Um, cities want to know you know, how to stop something before happening um, and not just depend on death rates because that's sort of after a fact that's reactive. Um, they want to prevent spikes rather than treat them. Well, thanks very much, Linda. Thank you. We've been joined today by Linda Poon, an assistant editor at CityLab covering science and urban technology, including smart cities and climate change. In today's episode, we talked about a pilot program using sewage water to determine the extent of the opioid epidemic in Cary, North Carolina, one of the innovative programs that were profiled in an article Linda wrote titled The Race to Learn What's Really Happening in the Opioid Crisis. Tune in for our next episode when we'll introduce another program from Linda's article, The Overdose Detection Mapping Project. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.